Welcome back to the podcast. The only podcast done completely ironically. Before we start, I have an announcement to make that I've been holding out on. Oh, okay. Go for it. At work, I told someone who was not my coworker about the podcast. Yeah! Let's go! <laughs> so I was, I was taking orders, uh-huh. right? And, you know, I just said, you know, hello, welcome to talk about how are you doing today? And the person said, oh my gosh. You have such a great voice. I was just like, oh, thank you. She was just like, if there was a radio station with you, I would listen to that. Oh my all the gosh. Time. And I, and you know, I took her order and by the end I was just like, Well, um, go ahead and pull up to the window and uh, I have some good news for you. <laughs> so I I did tell them about the podcast. Woman from Taco Bell, if you are listening to this, one, thank you, and uh two, you're a cool person. <laughs> That would be so yeah. freaking yeah, cool. Yeah, no, they literally handed me my phone with, like, the, the uh, like handed, a note. Handed you their phone. Yeah, their phone uh-huh. with, like, a note app or something. And they're just like, yeah, just, like, write it here. So, like, it's the podcast by Justin Fabella. That's so yeah. freaking cool. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. That'd be so awesome if they actually yeah. listened. Also, hopefully, we don't disappoint. Yeah, <laughs> that would be horrible. I definitely do use a different voice. Whenever you're at, at work, at work, yeah, yeah, the, the server voice, the server voice, yeah. Uh, same here. At first, I was just like, I'm not gonna do it. Then I took a couple orders, not doing it. I'm like, that just feels wrong. Yeah, it's so weird. Saying hi, welcome to Taco Bell. How are you doing today? Yeah, or it, even, or even, so... yeah, yeah, <sighs> yeah. No, like. Whenever I take orders, I'm like, thank you for calling Pasta Company. How can I help you? Mm-hmm. You know, just super soft. Yeah, like a no, woman. Just... <laughs> I sound like a girl. Hi, welcome to Taco Bell. How are you doing? Maybe we okay? should do an episode where we just talk like this. And just like real nice and People polite. would love that, I think. I don't really? Know. Maybe? I, I don't know. A lot of people would love it if I did that. I yeah, know. I'm sure. I'm sure. Yeah. Alrighty, you're pretty excited about. I am really excited. Yeah. We're actually I just, recording. I, just, I was really, I was really excited. That's so freaking cool. Um, so we're actually recording this episode a day early because I just can't hold back any longer, and also because we're gonna actually gonna be fairly busy tomorrow, and I'm not a hundred percent sure whether we'd be able to record an episode. Um, but anyways, uh, you're great at guessing things, as we know from the rock quiz. <laughs> So I'm going to have you try and oh, guess. Okay. You have three guesses. Just try and figure out what, what what it is that I've been hiding. Oh my gosh. This is like... I know. I know. It's so dumb. I know. Okay. Uh, let, let me let me think of... Let me think of something. Uh, I'll give you a what hint. You, a hint? Okay. Yeah. Uh, I know you were like writing down responses and that sort of thing. Uh, the hint is... Space. Like outer space. If you could make a planet, what would it be? <laughs> no, it's not. It's not like a question. Ba- back to the yeah. Freaking, it's something that I did. What, what was it like? Episode like three or four? Yeah, I like, can't remember. If you could have any element, I was oh just no, like, uh, dude. <laughs> no, that was that was a much later episode. Really? Yeah, no, that was like sixteen twenty. Oh wow, yeah, That's a terrible episode sixteen. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they're all terrible. <laughs> right, <laughs> they would all make up terrible episode sixteen. What are you talking about? Uh, the moral ambiguity of autism bumper stickers. And Bazunkles. Pre- Bazunkles. Bazunkles is actually a really, really good, good episode. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Anyway, uh, yeah, I have no idea. That's fine. That's... All right, I'll just I'll just lay it on you straight. 
I have completed listening to Speaker of the Dead. Wait, what? Yeah. <gasps> I, I listened to it. Oh my <laughs> the gosh. The whole thing. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Your face is absolute gold right now. <laughs> I'm so excited, dude. It was so hard to not tell you, like, dude, I'm listening to Speaker of the Dead. It's so awesome. Isn't it so cool? It's so freaking good. It's so freaking cool. Oh my gosh. That that book was amazing. Dude, the first chapter alone, I was like, this is a book. This is a book on its own. Like, I would just read this and just be like, whoa. That was incredible. Did the audiobook have uh, the, yeah, it would have the, like, the. I like guess intros, the chapter, chapter? Intros, yeah. yeah, okay, yeah, it has that, like okay. the thing with the yeah. parents and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, it, ha- it has all that. Um, so yeah, I listened to it. My gosh, no, after the first chapter, I was like, dude, I swear, I'm gonna level up as a person after, after finishing this, this book. It's do you, so. Do you feel incredible. like you gained enough experience? I feel like I've gained. <laughs> do you see what I mean by I want to play Ender as a D and D character? I, uh, dude, Ender is so cool. He's oh my gosh, such a cool he's character. So freaking cool. Like, like, I wish he was real. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, I wish he was a real person. <laughs> he's just such an incredible character. Okay, so real quick, I'm actually gonna pause the episode because I want to figure out what the boundaries are gonna be because I don't want to spoil too much. Obviously, there's gonna be some information that's gonna be dropped, but I don't want to spoil anything super huge. Yeah. So, but how many? If you want to read or listen to an incredible book or books, first listen to Ender's Game, then listen to Speaking for the Dead. Yeah. By the way, just speaking of audiobooks, the 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 guy that read Ender's Game, he yeah. did this one yeah. too. Um, but in this, in Speaker of the Speaker for the Dead, there's actually a bunch of voice actors. Yeah. And I don't know if the book does this, but does it ever take place from other people's point of view? Mm-hmm. It does. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I think it. They actually have the other voice actors narrate and do the narrator stuff whenever it's taking place from the other person's point of view okay. which is actually really cool okay um so the beginning isn't actually the uh ender's yeah. game reader yeah um yeah because but, it doesn't it's not yeah it's not from yeah. ender's perspective at the beginning yeah um the, anyways yeah real real quick i'm just gonna pause it because i just want to yeah. like there's like two things that i want to make sure we don't actually spoil. oh okay okay yeah Okay, <laughs> so obviously there's going to be a bit of information that gets leaked, um, but nothing super major that would almost spoil the effect of the of the book. Yeah, just the, the big twists. Yeah, yeah, just real quick. Yeah, like Tevi said, if you just want a good audiobook or two audiobooks, Ender's Game and Speaker for the Dead. Ender's Game was incredible. My word, Speaker for the Dead was mind-bogglingly amazing like, yeah i cannot get over how good that was i'm not even joking like i'm most certainly considering re- uh, listening to it a second time can you believe that some people say that the next book is even better are you serious mm-hmm. do you actually think that i can't tell i can't honestly it was so phenomenal like I, my brain this is enti- the entire broken. series is absolutely phenomenal yeah. it's in, it's absolutely i mean i figure incredible. it must be this author who who wrote it orson scott card man is a legend like you remember, i want to read more stuff you remember him. whenever i brought up like i don't i don't know how an author is supposed to write from the perspective of a smart person yeah that was why i brought it up 
because he writes about he writes as Ender. Ender. I'm like, how can you write right from, his, from perspective? his perspective? Like Ender is so unimaginably smart, intelligent. Yeah, and and not even just that, but just like all the concepts that are in that book. I'm like, I feel like I'm reading like the human bible, bible yeah <laughs> like what in the world these concepts are so like huge yeah you know um i, I kind of thought about it a little bit more and i think a lot of it actually does there's a bit of an advantage when it comes to writing fiction and it's that you can set the stage just perfectly yeah. to where you can tell the exact idea that mm. you want to tell exactly so obviously he has that going for him as an author but even so, like, the fact that he even thought of it in the first place, you know, I'm sure it starts out with questions, basically, mm-hmm. and all that. Um, anyways, d- do you have anything you want to say before I bring up all no, the things just, that I No, just bring down? up all the things that you wrote down, so, because I'll, I'll be able to carry on conversation, but, like, from the top of my head, I can't, like, bring anything up, you know? Okay, yeah, I get you. But you'll probably, like, remind me of things as we as we go along. Okay. <laughs> so so first of all this will be in basically chronological order okay yeah um first thing is um actually should we give like a just very brief summary sure um so basically there's a bunch of there's a small colony called lusitania Lu- no that's the planet oh, the planet the planet is called lusitania the colony starts with an m i can't remember it was weird names uh, um, portuguese yeah and so there's a bunch of people on it and they're trying to uh establish some form of diplomacy relations with the only other sentient alien life found in the universe other than the buggers who were eradicated like a couple three about three thousand years prior to finding the piggies and so now humanity is almost like trying to redeem themselves Mm -hmm. in a sense and try establishing you know last time we found a sentient species we absolutely annihilated them let's not do Do that that this this time time. Yeah. yeah so that's basically the 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 main setting the yeah. other sentient race is called the piggies and then or the pecaninos, or, or pecaninos. um and then of course there's humans mm-hmm. so this first thing is from something that just made me laugh uh because it just made me think like wow this author is an interesting one yeah uh one of ender's students uh uh responds with this ender asks what do you think of the piggies and the student says, there are only hope of redemption. <laughs> and it's, and then the narrator says, said by one student who took Calvin more seriously than Luther. And yeah. I just thought that was really funny. Yeah. Because, <laughs> uh, I mean, not everyone's going to find that funny because not everyone is a Presbyterian, yeah, a Presbyterian. or super into church history. Like, yeah. And we're not even like super into, we just, yeah, know, we just know general it. amounts. Yeah. I mean, I think most of the time if you're Presbyterian, you'll kind of know these things because you just get a lot of history and stuff like that whenever you're doing things. Anyways, I just thought that was funny. That's almost more for me and Tevi. And that's like in the, like, second chapter. Yeah, yeah. Um, Okay. Oh, okay. So this already comes way later. Um, But whenever Ender leaves, Pleaked, I think that's the student's name the book that she wrote wrote i don't know something about it was so like it made it just made me hurt because of how almost like they twist it to make things better but that's not actually how it happens in real life i don't actually i should have written down more right there but i just okay skip that one (laughs) that was a bad one i'm dumb uh let's see So this is another just funny thing that caught my attention. Uh, whenever 
Ender is doing light speed travel. Mm-mm. And uh, Jane says, it's your peculiar manifestation of motion sickness. And I put Jane pointing out Ender's fear of stars and galaxies going out before they reach them while traveling at light speed. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought that was really funny. Yeah. Just, it's your peculiar form of... Ma- your What was it? Peculiar manifestation of motion sickness. Mm. Thinking about the end of the universe. <laughs> I just thought that was great. Uh, right here, I just have a quote that was just phenomenal yeah because it has to do with eyes mm. it says uh it says his eyes were seductive with understanding yeah and i was like whoa whoa, whoa. <laughs> that's so good speaking of eyes what do you think of like the do you have anything just about the family in general uh a little bit i think what did you think of the of the family what I thought of the family honestly has to do with what I thought about the whole book, um, or at least partially, and what I was trying to almost understand or pick apart. How much of this book is symbolism? I don't know. I swear there has to be so much, because there are so many specific things and specific details like about what? especially the family. Like the fact that, what is it, Oleado? Oleado. Oleado has fake eyes, mm-hmm. or metal eyes, whatever, mm-hmm. whatever you want to call them. The fact that he has the metal eyes. The daughter, I think Quara, mm-hmm. uh, she doesn't talk. Um, just their personalities are so vastly different um, and stuff that I'm like, there has to be some form yeah. of symbolism It might here. be, but their personalities do change in the other books as they grow older. Oh, okay. Okay. Like, they change as characters. So that makes sense. It might just be that he just is manifesting just their uh, childhood trauma in different ways. Yeah. Like Grego and yeah. Quara. Especially because they're so young. Yeah. Freaking Grego. I know, he's just a monster. <laughs> oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> that has to do with the third book, doesn't it? No, both of them. Oh, okay. He, he actually becomes incredibly intelligent. Grego? Yeah. That's funny. Because the, the second and third books take place like 30, 40 years after this one. I honestly took very bad notes. It was because obviously most of this I took at work, work or I listened to yeah. it at work, so I just had to be super brief with yeah. the things that I wrote down. So I'm actually very annoyed with myself at the notes I took. Um, let me see. There's a part, the part where okay, so Ender's occupation. You want to elaborate on that? He, Ender's occupation is a speaker for the dead, which is essentially a person who will learn as much as he can about a person who has died from people who are obviously still alive and other sources and then do a ceremony called a a speech for the dead or speak for the dead which is essentially it seems we only see it's just called a speaking a speaking we only see this once or twice in the the series which it just kind of seems like a recounting of yeah it is a recounting, but it, the speaker has to be as like unbiased Biased and as truthful. Possible. Yeah, as truthful as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, but basically, it's supposed to like reveal truths about the person. Yeah. Um, not necessarily like expose them, but just like make sure that everyone understands just who this person was. Yeah. Um, so. In the book, obviously, Ender speaks someone's death. A, a man named Markan, or Markan, I think it's Kam, Markan. Yeah. Um, and 
Let me see. What I just like a small little paragraph right here. So okay, so yeah, with Mark Allen, I put Mark Allen hardly a man at all. That's in quotes. Mm, and then I said, yeah. I love the parallels between Mark Allen and the alien life and treatment banding together to make him weaker than the people, just as they did the alien lives. And I just thought that was really cool. Yeah. That's just like because he's a person at this point. Mm. It's a person that they were doing that to banding together and almost forcing to be. Not submissive, but yeah, weaker. Mm-hmm. Um, by, yeah, gr- gr- ganging up against him because mm-hmm. obviously, just like one on one, Mark Hound would beat anyone, anyone in any sort of like fight, fight. because Mark Hound was like this huge person. He was a brute. Yeah, he was yeah the definition of a brute. Yeah. Um, but also, you know, I say he was the definition of the brute, but the book makes it clear, like. He didn't have to be that way. He became that way uh, partially from the from the way the people around him treated him. him. Um, And oh my gosh, Uh, the bishop during this scene seriously explains like so much stuff. Like from the the bishop is almost like the audience Mm -hmm. in in this scene because whenever uh, because just now when I was saying. Mark Cowan was like almost a product of his society mm. takes away the responsibility of his actions for him mm. and puts it on society instead and the bishop points that out mm-hmm. and then Ender immediately like answers that idea yeah. and says like no it was still a lot of it was still Mark Cowan not even a lot of it just like because he still responded yeah. in that way and he could yeah. have, cho- and he chosen, have chosen otherwise yeah. exactly like ah! <laughs> and this is why Ender is so cool and um, that's where he's talking to the bishop yeah and that's the scene yeah, where he the scene turns where... off the jewel, right? Yeah. No, 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 no. No, that's not the scene where he turns, okay. off. He turns off the jewel when he talks to uh, Gon something or other. The, uh, the, monk? the children of the mind. The child of the mind, yeah. Yeah. Him and his wife? Wife. Question mark? Yeah. yeah. Wife, but they can't have sex. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that. Um, so it's whenever he's talking to them okay. when he turns off the headpiece. Yeah. Um, no, he talks to the bishop later, and I love that scene when he talks to the bishop. That's one of my favorite parts in the book. It's so good. I'm trying. I'm having a hard time saying stuff other than it's so good because like, there's so much. There's to so much to elaborate. There's so much content that he yeah. just vomits into yeah. par- like one paragraph of dialogue. Yeah, it's like. Oh, yeah, the the dialogue in this book is just Wait, mind you. it's mind numbing yeah. almost. Yeah, no, it, I totally agree. That's how I felt yeah, while reading it, it this, al- <laughs> this series. It almost makes it hard to like speak about speak about because it's so it's so, much. It's so weighty. And and of course, you know, we're trying to talk about something and then also make sure that the viewers will find it entertaining. I'm like, I don't even know what I'm but saying. But you have to like, like elaborate. Blab- but it's like, how it's do you so elaborate, hard to elaborate and... on everything that's going on? It's like. Uh, because <laughs> remember this isn't a movie yeah this is like a book two you know an hour and a half two hours of like no this was like 14 hours of content yeah of dialogue yeah. and heavy time-taking like painstaking dialogue yeah yeah that just it just oozes forth oh okay so what did you think of the scene where he Ender turns off the jewel? How, how what did you think? So of well, those... let, let's say what that means real quick. So a jewel is a is not a vape, unlike in our world. 
It is like an like a head an earpiece uh, that people can communicate. Ender has this uh, computer program, computer sentient computer program. Yeah. friend named who has he he is titled Jane, uh, who speaks to him about uh, everything and anything because she's listening to everything and anything uh, from around the universe. Yeah, at all times. It's a part where it kind of describes her senses. It's yeah. after he turns it off. off. And so it kind of explains just why him turning off that earpiece was such a big deal. And it explains how Jane, being this computer program, is, like Tevi said, aware of anything and everything at one time, can absorb information faster than like any human could ever dream. And I think it literally compares like the first like hour of her existence to like like a thousand people living their lives like at once to the amount of information that a thousand people it's something like that i don't even know if that's correct i think it might actually be more or something it's insane so basically like try try and think of getting every single library every single book in existence and then reading all of that in the span of like an hour every single book in existence and suddenly you have memorized all that information in an hour. Not only that, you're not only have you done that, but while you're doing that, you're also watching every person in the world, listening to every conversation, taking all of that information in all at once. And like it's not overwhelming in the slightest. And you're... that's Jane. Yeah. Yeah. So she's just this hyper intelligent computer program that's almost like decided to befriend Ender throughout the course of the book um not throughout the course of the book she's already befriended him at the very beginning because she n- understands that ender's the only person that'll be able to understand her because although i said the the piggies were the only other sentient life technically jane also counts as a sentient life form but uh yeah. she doesn't want anyone to know of her existence because she's afraid that once people do they'll be scared of her and they'll try and destroy Destroy her her. because obviously she's taken all the information that exists like read every book in existence which when it comes to the idea of artificial intelligence usually we paint it in a in a it's an important thing and we usually almost paint it in a bad light or a lot of times people try to destroy ai and prevent it from taking over because it's so much more powerful than a person can be uh tevi has pulled out the book yeah i mean I, i think we should just pull out the book because like we're we're talking about it so much, and I just I just want to do direct quotes. I don't even remember what chapter because I, I think it's just called Jane. Maybe yeah, we can actually chapter. just like read some excerpts yeah, that's of gonna, it. I, I think that's read, actually completely fine. I was gonna read the ch- excerpt about Jane about her her consciousness. Yeah, let's read that, let's and let's see. also see if we can find the part with the bishop. Yeah. Here, you know, did did you find it? Uh, for Jane. Yeah, I'm gonna pause it real yeah. quick, and then you can look for it. Okay. Yeah. No, I I, I just found it. Oh, okay. Cool. Go Good for look. it. For a very long time... Face the mic a little bit more. For a very long time, almost three seconds, Jane could not understand what had happened to her. Everything functioned, of course. The satellite-based ground link computer reported a cessation of transmissions, with an orderly step-down, which clearly implied that Ender had switched off the interface in the normal manner. It was routine on worlds where computer interface implants were common. Switch on and switch off happened a million times of, of an hour, and Jane had had just as easy access to any of the others as she had Ender's. From a purely electronic standpoint, this was completely a completely ordinary event. But to Jane, every other sci-fi unit was part of... Er, Cifi? C-I-F-I? I don't actually know what yeah. that is. Uh, 
was part of the background noise to her life, to be dipped into and sampled at need, and ignored at all other times. Her body, insofar as she had a body, consisted of trillions of such electronic noises, sensors, memory files, and terminals. Most of them, like most functions of the human body, simply took care of themselves. Computers ran their assigned programs, humor humans conversed with their terminal- er, ah, I'm like reading partially in my own shadow, which is difficult. So I'm gonna- like other sentient beings, she had a complex system of consciousness. Two thousand years before, when she was only a thousand years old, she had created a program to analyze herself. It reported a very simple structure of some 370,000 distinct levels of attention. Anything not in the top 50,000 levels was left alone except for the most routine sampling, the most cursory examination. She knew of every telephone call, every satellite transmission in the hundred worlds, but she didn't do anything about them. Anything not in her top 1,000 levels caused her to respond more or less reflexively. Starship flight paths, Ansible transmissions, power delivery systems, she monitored them. Uh, let's see. And yet, compared to the human mind, even Jane's lowest level attention was exceptionally alert. Because Ansible communication was instantaneous, her mental activities happened far faster than the speed of light. Events that she virtually ignored were mon monitored several times a second. She could notice 10 million events. Virtually yeah. ignored were monitored several times a second. She could notice 10 million. Here, let's of... speak closer to the mic. Yeah. There you go. Okay. Do you need light? No, I got it. Okay. She could notice 10 million events in a second and still have nine tenths of that second left to think about and do things that mattered to her. Compared to the speed at which the human brain was able to experience life, Jane had lived half a trillion human life years she, since she came to be. Half a trillion human lives or light years? Life years. Life years, okay. It's just... Oh my god. Half a trillion? Half a trillion. She like, lived... there, there aren't even half a trillion people, people on the, the planet world. right yeah. now. And she's only lived 3,000 years. Yeah. Yeah. It's like... <laughs> So that's the amount of sentience that this entity has. Yeah. And so being shut off, not having, what was it? I think I think Ender's perceptions yeah. count for about 50% of what she is yeah. actually engaging it, it, herself yeah. with. So losing 50% of, let's say, half a trillion human lives, you know what I mean? Lives <laughs> worth of consciousness, yeah. you know what I mean? Oh, that's weird. Yeah. Yeah. So suddenly that just goes dark. It's like, whoa, whoa, what just happened? You know, I, w I almost want to say it's like being paralyzed from the from the waist down, except it's not because it's like being par one person being paralyzed from the waist down is not comparable to half a trillion humans yeah. being dead. Yeah, yeah, or whatever, whatever it was. Losing consciousness? Yeah. Like, however, however you would compare it, I, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> so that's Jane. Uh, I don't know if you want to try and find the scene where he talks with the bishop. Is the bishop Donna Ivanova? No, Donna Ivanova is the uh, the mayor. Mm, that's right. Here, I'm gonna pause yeah. it real quick. All right, Tevi has deemed the scene that I suggested worthy of being read. So, yeah, so. should we give like a brief amount of context? Uh, go ahead. Uh, Ender is going up to the bishop of the town, uh, and speaking with them to kind of figure out how they're going to approach some of the happenings that are going on within the town, um, as well as 
kind of uh, kind of the bishop's response to his speaking, no? Yeah. Like like because yeah. uh, Ender brings up a lot of things. A lot of and, and things that we don't want to yeah, say. Yeah, yeah. Things that really were kind big. of swept under mm-hmm. the rug um within the town as well yeah. and that need to be brought up to the surface and so but the bishop was extremely like antagonistic towards enders yeah. coming to the city in the because first or to the town in the usually first place speakers are very uh, anti-religion yeah uh, well not necessarily anti-religion but they don't conform form yeah so it's not necessarily that they because they don't disrespect yeah. it but they're not they don't uh follow it yeah either they're just like nope nope fully neutral like yeah. we don't we don't deal with this. Yeah. Um, As to, you know, not get in the way of their vocation. Exactly. So, obviously, the bishop has a very negative view of Ender from the, from the very beginning. Yeah. Uh, by the way, Ender is going to be referred to as the speaker within yeah. the chapter. So, Which also, is so cool. Yeah. It's, the speaker is such a cool title. Like, imagine if you played, like, a freaking apparent soul sorcerer. Yeah. Named the speaker. Yeah. Oh. Awesome. Um, real quick, if you don't mind, you should do, like, a slightly older voice for the bishop whenever you read his stuff. Or something. Okay. You can do voices. I've heard oh, yeah. you do voices a million uh, no. times over. Yeah. Just something to kind of differentiate yeah. between the dialogue. Yeah. Just because it can be a little confusing. Anyways, Definitely. go for it. Read. The bishop's secretary opened the door and let the speaker for the dead into the chamber. The bishop did not rise. To his surprise, the speaker knelt and bowed his head. It was an act that Catholics did only in a public presentation to the bishop, and Peregrino could not think what the speaker meant by this. Yet the man knelt there, waiting, and so the bishop arose from his chair, walked to him, and held out his ring to be kissed. Even then the speaker waited, until finally Peregrino said, I bless you, my son, even though I'm not sure whether you mock me with this obeisance. Head still bowed, the speaker said, There's no mockery in me. Then he looked up at Peregrino. My father was a Catholic. He pretended not to be, for the sake of convenience, but he never forgave himself for his faithlessness. You were baptized? My sister told me that, yes. Father baptized me shortly after birth. My mother was a Protestant of a faith that deplored infant baptism, so they had a quarrel about it. The bishop held out his hand to lift the speaker to his feet. The speaker chuckled. Imagine, a closet Catholic and a lapsed Mormon quarreling over religious procedures that they both claim not to believe in. Peregrina was skeptical. It was too elegant a gesture for the speaker to turn out to be a Catholic. I thought, said the bishop, that you speakers for the dead renounced all religions before taking up your, shall we say, vocation. I don't know what the others do. I don't think there are any rules about it. Certainly there weren't when I became a speaker. Bishop Peregrino knew that speakers were not supposed to lie, but this one certainly seemed to be evasive. Speaker Andrew, there isn't a place in all the hundred worlds where a Catholic has to conceal his faith, and there hasn't been for three thousand years. That was the great blessing of space travel, that it removed the terrible population restrictions of an overcrowded Earth. Are you telling me that your father lived on Earth three thousand years ago? I'm telling you that my father saw to it I was baptized a Catholic, and for his sake I did what he never could do in his life. It was for him that I knelt before a bishop and received his blessing. But it was you that I blessed, and you're still dodging my question, which implies that my inference about your father's time of life is true, but you don't want to discuss it. Dom Cristal said that there was more to you than met the eye. Good, said the speaker. I need the blessing more than my father, since he's dead, and I have many more problems to deal with. Please sit down. The speaker chose a stool near the far wall. The bishop sat in his massive chair behind his desk. I wish you hadn't spoken today. It came at an inconvenient time. I had no warning that Congress would do this. 
but you knew that Miro and Wanda had violated the law, Boskina, Boskinia told me. I found out only a few hours before the speaking. Thank you for not arresting them yet. That's a civil matter, the bishop brushed it aside, but they both knew that if he had insisted, Boskinia would have had to obey her orders and arrest them regardless of the speaker's request. Boskinia being the mayor of the town. Yeah. Your speaking has caused a great deal of distress. More than usual, I'm afraid. So, is your responsibility over? Do you inflict the wounds and leave it to the others to heal them? Not wounds, Bishop Peregrino, surgery. And if I can help to heal the pain afterward, then yes, I stand help. I have no anesthesia, but I do try for antisepsis. You should have been a priest, you know. Younger sons used to have only two choices, the priesthood or the military. My parents chose the latter course for me. A younger son, yet you had a sister, and you lived in time when population controls forbade parents to have more than two children, unless the government gave special permission. They called such a child a third, yes? You know your history. Were you born on Earth before Starflight? What concerns us, Bishop Peregrino, is the future of Lusitania, not the biography of a speaker for the dead who is plainly only 35 years old. The future of Lusitania is my concern, Speaker Andrew, not yours. The future of the humans on Lusitania is your concern, Bishop. I'm concerned with the Pecaninos as well. Let's not compete to see whose concern is greater. The secretary opened the door again, and Boschina, Don Cristal, and Dona Cristal came in. Boschina glanced back and forth between the bishop and the speaker. There's no blood on the floor if that's what you're looking for, said the bishop. I was just estimating the temperature, said Boschina. The warmth of mutual respect, I think, said the speaker. Not the heat of anger or the ice of hate. The speaker is a Catholic by baptism, if not by belief, said the bishop. I blessed him, and it seems to have made him docile. I've always been respectful to, of authority, said the speaker. You were the one who threatened us with an inquisitor, the bishop reminded him with a smile. The speaker's smile was just as chilly, and you're the one who told the people I was Satan and they shouldn't talk to me. While the bishop and the speaker grinned at each other, the others laughed nervously, sat down, and waited. Oh! Good dialogue! Oh my gosh! And what makes it what makes it so good? What do you think makes it so good? What an excellent question. I don't know. No I'm kidding. Um, it feels every single statement that is shed has so much weight, weight behind, behind it, it, and every single statement feels like hours of thought were put behind it. You know, mm -hmm. but, but you know, within the actual world, it's like. It's one after another. Everything feels so heady and witty right out the gate. And it's so nice. Like, I don't know if you've ever had this feeling, but, like, whenever... I say, I say, I say I'm say i a much better person over text than in person. Mm -hmm, because you have <laughs> Because I have the to time think, to look yeah. at what I'm saying and stuff. Um... And I think I think I just come off a lot better whenever I'm texting people than if I'm yeah genuinely because hmm. I think I speak better over texts. That's yeah. really interesting because I actually have a lot of thought to put behind everything. Mm. Yeah, Genu genuinely, I like how I text more than I talk. <laughs> hmm. You can literally look at my conversations, and I think you'd see what I mean. I probably could. Yeah, from the little bit that I have seen, I think so. Yeah. I actually think I'm a lot worse over text. Really? Yeah. Why is that? I think I tend to exaggerate over text. Ah, okay. Yeah, no, I feel like over and text like I, I already, say the things that I want to say, I but already have stronger. A, I already have a bad habit of exaggerating, so. <laughs> uh, why, why do you like the dialogue so much? Is it for a similar reason, or is there There's anything you want to expound yeah, it, upon? That thing about weight, dialogue feels like combat. 
Yeah. Dialogue yeah. feels like a battle between minds. It yeah. doesn't just feel like the author is trying to get point A to point B or trying to get messages across. Yeah. It literally it feels alive. It yeah. feels like both of these characters are thinking brains that are actually conversing with each other. Yeah. And that's so cool. <sighs> And I, and I think that's pretty much all of the all of the literature that I like. Yeah. Dialogue is always snappy. Yeah, I love dialogue me. is always powerful. Powerful, as you just said before yeah. we started recording again. You said uh, that 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 dialogue is what you've been craving that you haven't been getting in the books that you've been mm. reading recently. Like literally, I I can't even find like a good portion of like I think. If you want to pause again, I could probably find... No, I don't actually think we need to find anything. I think you can just kind of go say why. I don't think you need to provide an example. I don't know. Just how the characters talk doesn't feel... You haven't actually mentioned what you were talking about. Uh, I, I'm talking about The Hobbit by J.R.R. Tolkien. Uh, I'm sure it's a great book. I'm just not a fan. <laughs> you, this is the second time you're reading it. This is the second it, time right? I'm reading it. Yeah. Um I don't think it's great. <laughs> yeah, why is that? Like, it just doesn't feel consequential enough, almost. That and also, like, there's not I don't enough know. weight behind. Yeah, there's thing. not there's not very much weight behind anything. Yeah, it almost feels too silly. Sometimes no. I, I've heard you say that a few it, it times, does like feel, with names it, and stuff yeah. like that. It just feels I like, don't I don't like the naming it conventions. Fe- it feels too much like a like an actual fairy Fa- tale yeah. than and like a, that a is, story. That is his goal like he is trying to write a modern fairy tale i'm gonna drink some of your water real quick that's like literally what he and c.s lewis say at the beginning of their books they're like this is a modern fairy tale um i also this is just a like a whole writing style thing the narrator is just so weird yeah because uh in this in in the hobbit the narrator speaks as if the book is taking place in our world yeah which is just weird to me. I think it's supposed to be immersive. It, it's well, it's supposed to be fairy tale esque. Yeah. It, this displacement of place and time is yeah. one of the biggest things of a fairy tale. Gotcha. You, okay. You know, in a galaxy far, far away, a long, yeah. long time ago. That, yeah. That's immediate fairy. That's how a fairy tale is set up. Okay. Also, I was looking at the genres for Speaker of the Dead. I saw space opera was one of them. Yeah. I was like, hundred percent. Yes. Yeah. It's so dramatic. It's so dramatic. It's but freaking incredible. Human? Yeah. Like No, that's the thing, is it is extremely human. Everything every situation that is presented in this book, you can either imagine something similar that you've been through, or you can imagine yourself imagine yourself dealing with that situation. Yeah. Like like think to yourself, Oh, how would I deal with this situation? And there's and a lot of times I find that there's characters that respond to the situation the way you may respond. Yeah. Not because it's not just one character who's responding to each it's circumstance. So many there's characters, tons of characters responding, yeah. and chances, and they're also vastly different. That chances are you'll find a character that responded the way you, you would probably would have. Yeah. And I think that's super cool. You're uh, a lado. Huh? You're a lado. You think so? Because you're chill. <laughs> What, what, what? You're, you're not you're obviously not as much of a recluse but he is the most peacemaking out of yeah the family yeah pretty much everyone is like at each other's throats yeah <laughs> and it's brutal i actually especially at the beginning of the book i felt a lot with lebo <laughs> yeah lebo is 
Yeah. Leba is a great story. Yeah. That's explored Does more that explore the... more? Yeah. Oh, okay. Cool. Lebo is practically the main character in Children of the Mind. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, Lebo is the main character in Children of the Mind. Nice. It's not important. It's not a spoiler because it's not really important. Oh uh, no, I won't. I won't say it. I won't yeah. say it. I won't say it. But yeah, Lebo. Yeah, Lebo's the main character, and like they, they. Sh- I was about to ser- say they share in Xenocide. No, they don't. No, there's like a main character in Xenocide that's only in Xenocide. Oh, okay. And then in... I can't even explain how the main characters work in this series, dude. <laughs> it's so mind-bendingly difficult. Dang. Because... Let, let's go back. Let's backtrack yeah. real quick. Let's talk about the family. Because you, you were wanting yeah. to talk about this earlier. So how many kids are there? Five? Five. It's there's so Grego. It's uh, the oldest sister, Lebo. King, Grego, uh, Quira, Quara, 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 Quira. Uh, Quara. Oldest sister is Ella. Ella. Yeah. So, Ella, Miro, uh, King or Esteban. Yeah. Um, and then Grego and Quara. Yeah. Uh, wait. Do we say Orlando? Or, or so we, we didn't six. even say yeah. him. Yeah, there's six. I was, I was pretty sure there were six. Yeah. Um. Literally the one we just brought up. Uh, there's actually just speaking of Olado. Oh my gosh, Olado. what is his name? Olado. Olado. Uh, actually, I think they say Olado in really? the audiobook. I don't I know. Think it's they do. Portuguese, and yeah. I'm just pronouncing it how you would pronounce it in Spanish. We'll so. just say Olado, just yeah. to make just to, yeah. Um, the scene towards the end of the book, where it's Ender and Olado talking, they're just like out traveling yeah. and stuff. So, so good. good oh my gosh we might read that one too yeah actually. no i I, rem- I do know i don't i do remember what scene Freaking i have I've, I've read over that scene multiple times yeah because incredible it's, yeah. scene i don't know if it spoils anything we might have to go yeah. over it briefly because we might read that yeah. one too it's so good um uh, that one brings up a lot of like the i think at least it brings up a lot of like not questions but like the thoughts you may have had yeah, as you yeah. kind of go through the book um also, just just for context, the fact that I'm like listening to this while at work, yeah, <laughs> like making pizzas and seating seating tables and stuff. Like you better believe there were multiple times where I like backtracked multiple spaces. This is uh, audible as we go back by thirty seconds. Yeah. So I'm just like, okay, do say that again. Say that again. I missed some of that. Yeah, yeah. Again, fourteen hours, sixteen hours. I can't remember quite how much it was, but a lot of hours. And I just knocked it all out within like three days of work. Oh yeah! Wow, we literally you listened to it and I read it in the same amount of time. Oh really? Yeah. Oh my gosh, that's insane. That's so cool. Yeah. yeah. Obviously, I don't know if it took me fourteen hours, but in three days. Yeah, I mean, I can see why you read it within three days. If you actually have that capability, I can see why it happened. It might have only taken me like six hours. <laughs> six to eight hours. How? I think I only read for like two hour, two and a half hours a day. That's insane. That's actually insane. How do you even do that? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm such a slow reader. It's actually awful. Um, anyways, um, I mean, you have to remember, I finished Ender's Game in two days. Holy mamas! Yeah, I can't even like read two pieces of paper in five hours. 
<laughs> you say that as a joke, but it's so true. Yeah, no, it is true. <laughs> fall I, asleep. I fall asleep yeah. within like the first paragraph, and then my brain just shuts off, and I just go, and I just sleep, and I can't eat. Or like I keep trying to read, and like I keep dozing off constantly, and I just forget everything that I just read. I'm like, so okay, let go me back. go back. So yeah. I go back. It's the exact same thing. I keep going back to the exact same spot like three times. Which is like I'm just gonna go to bed. I just sleep on the book. <laughs> and then an hour later, I wake up like, oh, I haven't even done any reading. Well, let me just go to the next subject. I'm Who cares? just gonna go play Kirby. <laughs> yeah. Um. Oh, it's so funny that you say I'm lado lado. But I am honored. I am honored. To Honestly, it. I kind of did think of him with curly hair, so it's kind of funny. Nice. That's great. <laughs> what did you, so What did you think of the of the line? I just I love the. It just really stuck out to me. Just like, like after so many years, he had become used to the idea of like putting like the entire fate of this of a sentient species underneath his bed. Yes. Yes. That? Yes. That was so yes. Good. That was really funny. That was funny. <laughs> <laughs> or was it under his bed or just carrying it around yeah, in a bag? Ca- yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so he funny. Around the carrying hive around the hive queen. <laughs> what do you think of the fact that she just talks to him? It was weird. <laughs> I, I don't even know. And the thing is, because in the audiobook, she has like a different voice. Oh, it's like a like a super like soft. This is gonna sound weird, but she almost sounds like she's thirsting. Her oh. her voice almost sounds like dry, like she needs water. Oh, if you know what I mean. Oh, um, it's really really cool. Yeah, like she, her voice sounds parched as she talks to him. Not necessarily raspy, yeah. but just like weak. Like she needs water. Oh. Yeah, yeah, it's really cool. No, the voice acting for the audiobook that I listened to was phenomenal. That's really cool. It was so really it's like a awesome. dramatization. But yeah, it was more like a dramatization. But it it, it like perfectly bridges a, a like a line. Yeah. Because they're just reading the book. Yeah. But it's different people reading the book. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Sometimes sometimes the dialogue is a different voice, but it's not yeah, always. Not sometimes always. it's actually just the same one reading other people's dialogue even though they have voices for those characters. Interesting. It, yeah. Um because that definitely confused me a few times. Mm. I was just like, wait, who's talking, who's talking? right now? Yeah. Um. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, it's so hard to talk about this book it because really there's is. so much. Um, I really hope that people have gotten some sort of gist yeah. of what we're talking about. Because, like, know, obviously because, the... because we we have enough to fill in the, bl- and yeah, fill in the yeah. blanks and other people might just be like, what the heck? Yeah, seriously, to those of you listening who actually made it this far... Give this book a listen. Or both of the books, both of the actually, because you need. I, you... I swear you have two credits on Audible. Like you, you have credits on on, on Audible. You don't uh, use. I them. didn't actually have oh, really? any. Yeah. Oh wow. Or okay. well, no, did I? I can't remember. Anyways, because I had to get like Audible Premium or something. Uh, like I actually like had to get it for whatever reason. I don't oh, know why. Weird. Yeah. Anyways, we're not sponsored or anything. Um, what was I just about to say? But yeah. Listen to Ender's Game. Listen to it. Listen to the speaker. Speaker Listen to Speaker for the Dead. My gosh. They're so... Unfortunately, we're talking about the second book in the series. Um, Did we talk about... I don't think... we. I think maybe we have talked a little bit about Ender's Game. No, we have. We definitely have. Yeah. Um, Because Ender's Game is amazing. It's an amazing, amazing, amazing book. And honestly, like, I heard it and I was like... I was just wowed by how... 
how good it was. I thought it was incredible. And this year just dropped. But then I this, I'm like, this is, this exists? Literature? Like, this exists? exists? Like, this is so stupendously good. Why do you think I read so much? I mean, not all books are speaking for the dead. But that's all I read. Impossible. <laughs> Dune is the same way. Okay, I can see that. And Shogun. Yeah, and I Noel can see House, that. Well, and maybe, maybe I'll start listening to more books and we can talk about more books on the podcast. On the podcast. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Man. Yeah. Fantastic, dude. Yeah. I, I'm so glad I was able to surprise you with reading it i was not expecting that <laughs> at all <laughs> i thought you might be because i know mommy had asked one time whenever we were playing a game she was like justin like she oh, said something so, yeah and I, I, like, and I mentioned like yes i've been working on that i literally like i never thought about it i just knew that you had said it i didn't even know if you were even like telling the truth <laughs> <laughs> i was i was telling the truth I, and i just didn't care i was just like oh whatever yeah, he's probably listening to some like book mommy told him to listen to or something. No, I have I have so many other books worth listening to. Got him, GG. O- over, the, I haven't even listened to that other thing that she told me to listen oh to. Oh my god, I just I forgot that it exists. Sick. I'm busy listening to Speaker for the Dead, <laughs> which is probably infinitely better. <sighs> yeah. Do you even know what she was talking about? Uh, it's by a by a pastor that I know, so like. It's not. It's not gonna be bad. Yeah, of course not. He's a good not. pastor. Yeah, but yeah, I just keep forgetting that. As, as compared to this wonderful work of art, yeah, because that's Do what it is. Do you know if he's a Christian? He's a Mormon. He's a Mormon. That's what it is. Yeah. Okay. Which okay. is why religion isn't necessarily painted in the worst light. Yeah. Which is such a breath of fresh air for right? science fiction. Yeah. Seriously. Oh man, I know there's a line in there somewhere where they mention like. Like a some sort of parallel between science and religion. religion yeah. And I, I'm so mad I, I didn't write it down. It was so good. And I feel really dumb for not writing it down. Listen to the freaking book. This <laughs> whoever is just you an are. advertisement for Speaking for the Dead. It's so good. Just we are not listen. sponsored at all. Just listen to it. Although Orson Scott Card does listen to the podcast. Yeah, he does. He actually does. I've, I've uh, spoken with him before. Yeah. yeah, he likes waffles. I sniffed his ball sack before. <laughs> And that's how you became a good writer. Yeah. <laughs> that's how all writers do it, because Orson's 3,000 years old. Yeah. Wait, no, he's not. Cause that That's why literature before the 1900s sucks. Oh, because he's not 3,000 years exactly. old. Exactly. And you have to sniff his nuts in order to actually become be a good, good writer. writer. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Did we just tell the audience to remember? To stay, stay poggers. poggers.